The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Welcome back to the Redneck Tech Podcast. This is going to be episode number 77. And if you were born under a rock yesterday or just don't know that silky smooth voice at the beginning of this podcast, that was your very own Rye Reporter. We decided that we were going to record a new one because I hated hearing myself at the beginning, which all I do is hear myself in all of these podcasts. But Ryer did the ad. How many times did it take us? Uh, maybe 10, 12. <laughs> 10 or 12 because we laughed. Through Mostly because it's hard to take yourself serious when you talk like that. Yeah, that was a little over the top. But it's great. And I got you, multiple radio voices. Yeah. This is the standard podcast conversational radio voice. I've got a jazz show voice that I've been developing for... Jazz show? Yeah, like a late night jazz show. <laughs> oh, God. So I just, I've been developing that one, and then obviously we've got the over-the-top commercial voiceover. Which is what you just heard mm-hmm. at the beginning of this podcast. I'm also working on the epic show reel, like, action thriller trailer voice. Yeah. I do that sometimes, um, but that one's not coming along as good. Okay, so we so we have to wait on that one. That one's in development. Yeah, it'll be there soon, though. All right, so on this podcast, we uh, are going to talk about organization and workflow. Um, this is one that we got kind of requested, I don't know, a long time ago, because we have in our notes, and we should have put in, like, dates and, like, people and, like, uh, handles next to all these questions and, and suggestions, because we don't remember who suggested it or when it was suggested, so... Really, hopefully, you guys are loyal enough listeners to where you know who you are, um, whoever suggested the organization and workflow. Um, Ryer has been working on some notes with us earlier today, and uh, we're just kind of going to go through our process of from the pre-production to in the field shooting to bringing it back to dumping footage, then to editing, you know, what our process is, what his process is, because my, my process is different than our process. Um, yeah, so really, I don't know, why don't you take take over and start over from, you know, start through your notes, like where you wanted to, where you, because I mean, you're kind of heading this one up, I'm just going to jump in. So basically what I was thinking for this is to cover more of the digital side of things, because we do a lot of gear talk, and we do a lot of talking about organizing camera gear and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I think this in particular is more important than organizing camera gear or anything like that. Yeah. I think that if you are unorganized with your digital assets, so footage and pictures and audio and graphics and all that stuff, it makes editing 15 times harder, especially with Premiere, and I'll go into that later, but um, I definitely think that keeping a good... Uh, organized workflow all the way throughout your your process of shooting and editing is going to make it so much easier for anybody to, to stay on top of things. You're way better at it than I am too because, and the reason I say that is I've been working by myself for the last three years 
um, and I have my own little process, and it's organized for me. Mm-hmm. But I had to go get something off your computer while you were gone. It was with the South Dakota edit that you were doing. I had to go and add some like logos in, and um, it I, anybody could walk into your computer, understand your organizational process, and be able to find things. Whereas mine, not so much. Um, and I know you're going to get into that later, but I think that's important to have a better process. And that's something that I'm going to try and do going forward. Like 2020, that's my year. That's my organizational year for like making sure all my craps is organized yours. But right now it's not. And I think that's important for if you have someone else working with you on a project, if you hand that project off to somebody, if you start working with somebody, or if something happens to me and I can't finish something and you have to jump in it, Mm-hmm. Um, knowing where things are. Otherwise, you're going to have to call me and say, hey, where's that project file? Where's that graphic? Where's um, day two footage? Like, where's the recovery? I can't I can't find anything. Mm-hmm. Because half the time I name it like last day or, you know, recovery or, you know, whatever, just something mm-hmm. quick and neat and quick and dirty versus, you know, having this standardized, you know, like list or standardized folder structure like you do. So anyway, sorry, I didn't want to take over. But yeah, you're way more worse than I am. I guess I'm just I'm OCD, so that's that's half the that's problem. A little, I'm, is I'm, I have to be organized, I'm or else semi, I lose my mind. I'm I'm OCD with other things. Um, I'm OCD with like my gear and like knowing where my gear is and that it's all in the right place and I have all my things and that this that and the other. But with something like that, I guess since I'm the one that has to handle it, I'm not as much. So I guess the first part, and since we're going through an entire workflow. Um, we're just going to start with the pre-production. I mean, obviously, we do everything with Apple Notes because we all, we both, we all, there's yeah, two well, of us. Well, because it's we have 2019, iPhones. so yeah, we're still, we're using iPhones. Um, and if you're not using an iPhone, you're wrong, actually. Yeah, so absolutely. Don't even listen to this podcast. If you have a Android, if you're listening to this on an Android, you might as well turn it off. <laughs> it probably doesn't work. <laughs> That's mean. I'm just I'm kidding. sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. We just really like iPhones because of how they connect to yeah. each other and to other Apple products. Yep. Um, and it seems like they're less buggy a lot of the times, but they also come with a lot of weird kind of Propri- proprietary, proprietary and restrictions yeah. and stuff. So there it, is that. It works well for us. We both understand them backwards and forwards. We understand the user interface, how they share back and forth with one another. And I can text Ryan and say, hey, look, look at your notes. And he can see what's been changed. Mm-hmm. And we keep up with to do. We keep. I mean, God, I can't tell you how many lists I have in my phone. It's a bunch. Too many. So that being said, we use the notes for a lot of things. And when we first go to go on a shoot, the first thing we're going to do is develop kind of a theme or a story or a purpose for the video. Mm-hmm. And I could go into detail on that, but I really don't think that I need well, I to. Think, we've got well, we've got lots of podcasts talking about that, well, I think but it's for, important to put it somewhere well, I think to write for, it down. I think for point of reference, let's use, because we're going to do a podcast tomorrow on um, full pre-production for Blue Stem. So mm-hmm. we're doing a big project, uh, waterfowl project with Blue Stem Waterfowl in Oklahoma, uh, middle of January, and we're going to do a full day of pre-production about that tomorrow. Um, we're going to podcast that live so you guys can hear our entire process. This is going to be very raw and unfiltered and probably very scattered. But you'll see kind of our creative process. But I think for the for the sake of argument, what we're doing, let's use that as how we would approach that, I guess. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, we okay. can use that as a as a reference <laughs> to things. Um, so, you know, we walk, we, we go into that and we, especially for that project, I mean, some, some projects you're, your theme or the purpose is whatever happens on that hunt. So you can't really pre-pro that. 
Um, but this, we have some specific goals and production things in mind that we want to accomplish. <clears throat> and so tomorrow we're going to be developing kind of the theme or what we want it to look like, what we want it to feel like, the general story that we want to tell with that project. And we're going to write it all down in our notes. We're going to record it. And then from there, um, it goes into a shot list and we will develop what shots do we definitely want, you yeah. know, like a wish list of shots and, and we're not going to get, it. we're not going to get too yeah. technical with it. Cause you and I kind of have like an idea of generally what shots you have to have for a, for a waterfowl edit, yeah. but some of the B roll or some of the more specialized shots will definitely shot list out. That was a good way of putting it. A wish list of shots. These are the things that we absolutely want to get but we're going to get more than that. Like that's the mm -hmm. bare minimum. Those yeah. are the bare minimum shots. Like we have to get a sunrise. We have to get a, you know, chasing the truck with the drone. We have to get, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, those are the absolute must haves to tell the best story. And then we let the story develop. And, uh, and I think a lot of those shots are coming from uh, things that we've seen over the past, however long, I mean, pretty much forever, but yeah. that we've seen and go, okay, I really like that particular shot. I want to write it down because I want to make sure that I can do something like that or that it's in my mind to do something like that. Yeah. And then, um, obviously, you know, when you're out in the field, you get inspired by different things yeah. or see different things, and then you shoot those as you well. You put your spin on it. You put your right. creative spin on it, and then you let the person, the place, and the conditions dictate what that shot looks like. You're not trying to exactly emulate or imitate or whatever the word is exactly things that you've seen but you're taking that idea and making it your own mm -hmm. using your talent your location your time of day your lighting you know all those different things you use all those things to make it your own essentially so then after after we do that what we would then figure out is the technical details of the shoot yeah. what resolution are we going to uh, film in what's the frame rate what's the color space uh, you know, and for that one, it's probably going to be, I don't know, we might do 4K. We haven't talked about that, but probably mostly 1080. Uh, frame rate is probably going to be 24 because we yeah. want it to be filmic. And yeah. color space uh, is probably going to be S-Log on the Sonys. And then yeah. we've got a guy coming in with a red who's going to shoot in that color space. Um, and that's for that particular shoot. Now, if I was going to film for TV, I would know that I need to film in 30 frames a second. 19, 20, 10, 80, um, 30, yeah. The project that I'm going on in three days, yeah. um, he said that they wanted 4K, uh, 30 frames a second, and so I wrote that down so that I remember to mm -hmm. change all the cameras into that. Yeah. Um, and when you're filming for yourself, some of this stuff will just stay consistent, but when you're filming for other people, you always want to show up and ask or yeah. get that detail ahead of time so that you can change all your cameras over before you're on the shoot. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the last thing that I always do before I head out on a trip is I go through my portable hard drives and I clear anything out that I don't need on them anymore. Yeah. So usually it's just whatever trip I was on last. I clear that stuff off. You don't, obviously we double check and make sure we've dumped yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be dumped. And then I, I clear all that off and then I check cards and make sure that all the cards have been dumped. And then all of those are cleaned off and yeah. fresh and in cameras. And that's, that's kind of my, I guess, uh, software side of the, yeah, see, of the pre-pro process. And, and, and the way that I differ, I, I differ with that as far as the getting gear ready to go after my pre-pro is done is 
I clear cards as soon as I dump them in the field. Like I, I know when I go in, I'll have fresh cards because as soon as I dump them to my, you know, my travel drives, and I've got two travel drives, so they're duplicated. So I have two identical travel drives. I copy everything to one drive, and as soon as it's copied to that one, I copy that again to my other travel drive. So it's in two places, just in case um, one of those travel drives takes mm-hmm. takes a crap on me. Uh, and then I clear my cards, put them back in my camera. And when I'm when I'm dumping my footage, I always leave the door of my camera open where the SD cards go. Mm-hmm. That way, when I go to pick it up, I see that door open. Well, if that door open is if that door's open, then my cards aren't in my camera. Well, I know to go back and get my card and put them in my camera because if they're open, then something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the first thing I notice. And then if uh, I have like GoPro SD cards or I have other little knickknack things that I don't want to forget, I always put them in my hat. I flip my hat mm-hmm. upside down and put them in my hat. That way I don't forget them because I never go outside without a hat. I feel completely naked without a hat on. So um, that's kind of my little my little system. I went to Atlanta the other night to go see a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was dressed up, so I didn't wear a hat and it felt weird. Yeah. I've oh, decided so that I need a dress. I need a dress up hat. It can't be a. It can't be a ball cap. It's got to be some kind of dressy hat. I try not to weird. go places that I can't wear a hat. The only place that I go that I can't wear a hat is church. But you can wear a hat to the church, and then you take it off when you get in church. Yeah, but that right? mess up my hair, man. You can't do that. Well, I fix my hair. That's the only time I fix my hair is to go to church. Really, and it takes me about thirty seconds. See, so. Really, what you told me now is that it doesn't matter. You could definitely wear a hat to church. Ask my wife. It matters. All right. I look good. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you without a hat. <laughs> it is. It's an odd thing. He sleeps with a hat on. Actually, I feel naked without a hat. I really do. <laughs> like I just I like hats. I always have. Can't get my little boy to wear a hat though. He won't keep it on. No. He takes, yeah, he keeps taking it off. He's <laughs> like he'll wear it for about three seconds and he'll take it off. I never wore hats until after college. Bothers me. Just well, because in high school we weren't allowed to wear hats. And we then, weren't either, and now they are. I went to the high school to pick the sign up for the. the oh, they can. They can. Well, they can wear freaking hats now. Mm. I was pissed. I'm like, who changed this? They're like, all oh, the new pre- the new principal said that we can wear hats. He doesn't care. I'm like, what the heck, dude? And they can. Uh, what was the other thing? They can wear hats. There's TVs playing like Nick at Night and crap all over the school. Yeah, I'm like, what in the world? Like these kids, got the ease. Got it so easy. If I only had to wear a hat in high school, oh my gosh, man. It'd been so nice. Yeah, I would have loved to wear a hat, but I didn't. So um you kind of jumped ahead a little bit. Sorry. The I, next thing I, I was gonna again. get into is in the field stuff. So my general my general kind of strategy is I I dump footage every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes thing. twice a day if I can. And part of that is because uh it just is quicker that way at night. It doesn't take me as long to dump footage at night if I had dumped the morning cards in the in the afternoon. Uh, and then also, uh, I get real nervous if I only have one copy of things. And oh, so, yeah. it just gives me a little bit of peace of mind that I already backed that thing up. And then if for some reason <laughs> I got... that thing up. <laughs> you did that. You did. I did. <laughs> if somebody wants to take that little audio clip and make it into a song yeah. and send it to us, we'll yeah. post it. Well, we're not going to hold our breath, but yeah. Um, but it just, it, it makes me feel more comfortable that I've already got that backed up. Um, and like you said, I guess I may, should have led with this, but I always take two hard drives minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually I take three, maybe four, because I got a couple that are just tiny. I just throw yeah. them in my bag. 
And the reason that I do that is I have my two main hard drives and I dump footage to one and then I immediately dump footage to a second one so that it's basically a carbon copy of the first. And then I have the other two for if one of my main hard drives takes a crap, then I have a backup, backup. that I can mirror to. Uh, and also sometimes I've had to give people footage and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to have just a kind of a, it's more or less a throwaway drive that mm -hmm. I can just give people. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't come back, it's not going to hurt your feelings. Right. Yeah. So um, given that what I do on the, I don't, I keep saying software. I don't really know if that's the correct term for this, but on the so on the computer side of things, uh, the first day that I go to dump footage, I start a folder in my hard drive that's okay, so named for that trip. So folder structure. So yeah. this is important. So go ahead. So I start, I on the root of my hard drive, I put a folder named whatever the trip is. So I'll say you know, blue stem, blue water stem, waterfowl shoot. Yeah. Sometimes I'll date it. Sometimes I won't. Um, just depends on how I'm feeling that day. Uh, and then when I go to dump the footage, say it was day one morning. I'll make a new folder that says day one, uh, parentheses, morning, and then I'll start dumping footage. And basically, I dump every camera individually. So FS7, the Canon, GoPros, if I flew the drone at all, I'll dump that. And uh, I'll put those all in the day one folder. And then if I have to dump things in the afternoon, I'll make another folder under day one saying afternoon, dump all the cameras that afternoon, uh, and then I just go through every single day and do that, day two, day three, day four, day five, and just make sure that I label all of them whatever time all of those clips were recorded. And it's pretty easy when you go on a morning hunt, you come back, dump footage, okay, you're dumping day one morning. You go on an evening hunt, uh, come back, dump footage, okay, that's day one evening, then the next day you do day two and so on. Uh, and that basically just allows me to already have a built-out structure and timeline that'll come into play later on when I take all of those clips and put them into Premiere. Mm -hmm. um, and inside those folders, inside day one, there's going to be folders for each camera. Right. A lot of times I just take the, I just take the uh, folder that's in the card mm -hmm. and dump that. Yeah, I do too. So instead of taking the individual clips... I just take the whole folder. And I know you do it different with the FS7. Sometimes, the FS7, I take the whole XD root folder and just put it over there. Well, sometimes I do. Most of the time with that is I'll drag. So you, you expand XD root, and then there'll be the clip mm -hmm. folder. And I'll drag the clip folder over. And then once it's dumped, I'll go in and I'll delete everything but the um, MXF. Dot MXF. So I'll delete everything else because all that crap doesn't matter anyway. Um I just do that just to streamline because once it brings it in Premiere, it it get ri gets rid of two different folders that I'd, I'd have to delete anyway because I'm I'm OCD once I get in Premiere mm -hmm. and I've got a bunch of folders that are drop downs that I don't need and I'll have to move those around in Premiere anyway just to, yeah. for peace of mind. So I've just tried to eliminate that process by moving that folder first things first instead of moving it later. But it's six one one half dozen the other. It's just yeah, I think I I don't do that because when I was shooting on the NX five U. And it has that AVCHD folder structure, which mm -hmm. is already a weird, it's a weird file format or a container what's it, format. Was it MT, dot MTS is what those were? It's weird. And they have a bunch of sidecar files. And one time I got smart or so I thought, I was like, I'm just going to skip this whole thing. And I basically rewrapped all of the stuff 
as a whatever it was. Uh, but it didn't, it only rewrapped the .mx MTS files or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And so then when I went to go edit with them, it had mixed up all the audio. So I had yeah. clips with audio from other clips all mixed in. I ABC, thought, I'm just not going to mess with doing a that no ABCHD, more. ABCHD, those .mts files have been notorious for doing that. You yeah. have to re-conform uh, everything. They're a huge pain. Um, I, I don't know if like Premiere or that file structure or whatever has fixed itself. You know, hopefully, I don't know. I don't have a mess with one in mm -hmm. a long time, so I couldn't tell you. But um, I think that... uh. Yeah, that was just the, the devil itself anyway because the reason I say that, the last time I used that was in 2017. I was shooting on an FS700, mm -hmm. and that's what it shot in, which I love that camera, but that file, those files were always a huge pain. <clears throat> yeah, so I got scared out of doing that, so I just took the whole folder structure. And yeah. maybe it's, I don't need to do that anymore, but old habits die hard. Yep. So I... Sometimes I do this and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I separate the stills out of the 5D folder, so I, the, I the DSLR, uh, because I'll have I'll have stills and video in there. Yeah. And so sometimes I'll separate the stills out and I'll put. Sometimes I'll put all of them in just one folder, especially for trips where it's I'm just kind of shooting pictures as yeah. as I get the opportunity to, and I don't really need to do a ton of organization with those. I'll just throw all of those into one folder on the, um, so if you go to the trip, the trip folder, I'll make a folder called stills mm -hmm. and then I'll throw them all in there. And then inside that folder, sometimes I'll have like an edited stills. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm on the trip and I edit pictures, when we have downtime at camp, I'll throw them in the edited stills and then they're there. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I also like about doing that is when I take, that project and all that footage and I put it into my folder structure on my main computer, I can take those stills and put them into what I have. As, it's a master photo catalog, which I've separated out from my main footage catalog after last year having to mess with the organizational um, strategy that I had for Lightroom and for pictures and all that. Oh, mine's so jacked up. Like, mine's not even it's non-existent like i delete them out every time i got them colored so like my none of mine are connected really none you may have to work on that well because that's stressful to me well it makes me stressed. don't open my lightroom because <laughs> it will stress you out basically that what i ran into was my hard drive had gotten full mm -hmm. but i wanted all of my pictures still on the new hard drive because I go back and reference pictures from 2014, 2015. I'd never be able to find um, them, ever. <laughs> It'd take me a month <laughs> to find them. So, but the problem was, as I had organized on the hard drive itself, the pictures were in the trip folders. Mm -hmm. um, so I basically revamped it and took all the pictures out of trip folders, put them in their own separate folder on my hard drive that, was organized independently so that it was just pictures. Mm -hmm. And that way, if I needed to move that anywhere, I could just move all of my pictures and still have the same catalog for everything. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as a video-oriented person, I have 10 times, 100 times more video than pictures. Yeah. So this organizational strategy might not work for people who do pictures primarily. Yeah. 
and that might be something to talk with somebody about. That'd yeah. be interesting. What the yeah, organizational Irwin, strategy Irwin would is. Would be a good person to talk to about that. But anyways, that's that's kind of why I'm I might separate my stills, and I and I like to when I get the chance. Uh, and then sometimes I'll separate the time lapses out, and I'll put the time lapses in their own folder. So mm-hmm. I'll have a time lapses folder, and then in that folder I'll have you know night lapse one, night lapse two, time lapse one, time lapse two, and in each of those folders there'll be you know whatever 700 pictures from each each time lapse put in there. Yeah. So then when I go to edit time lapses, I can just pull from those, edit them, export them, and then make the time lapse and then put that wherever I want. Mm-hmm. And uh, that makes it pretty easy. And Some of this stuff is hard to explain without visuals. Yeah, without visuals. Well, another thing you got to remember too, guys that are listening, very little of this is saved on our local drive. Pretty much none of it. It's saved on our local drive. And when I mean local drive, that's the drive that is inside your computer. All of this is saved on external drives. We have desktop external drives that are plugged into our computer that all this is saved on. Um, I've got like, I don't know, 60, 70-something terabytes sitting on my desk. You've probably got probably at least that much, half that, Mm -hmm. um, that are slammed full of video. And they have some... um, pictures on them but um all this is saved on external hard drives and then all this is duplicated on external hard drives this is always in at least two places so just keep that in mind we're not working off our local computer our local computer is literally there as a processing engine for everything on our external hard drives we're not keeping any of this on the computer itself the reason being is it takes up so much room on the local computer where that's going to bog you down to where you need to make sure on your computer, if you haven't already done this, if your computer's running slow, and this is my IT person coming out at me, rule of thumb is at least 10%, but I, I recommend 20% of your local hard drive being free up so it can process information. Um, I think usually mine are at 50%. I leave 50% of my local hard drive wide open so it can process things um, because... And I think I think my computer's got a one terabyte drive in it. Yours has got an even smaller than that, doesn't it? Yeah, because I don't know what mine is off the top of my head. Really, I think yours is five hundred gigs. I want to it, say it's either that or two fifty. It doesn't really that the local drive doesn't really matter to us because we literally use that as a place to store applications and small like you know uh, word files. But other than that, all of our video, all of our project files, all of that stuff lives on the external hard drive. So just keep that in mind. Don't and hard, and external hard drives are dirt cheap. So don't think that it's going to start costing you a ton of money. Now, if you start doing a lot, a lot of video, yeah, it's going to get a little expensive trying to buy big hard drives. But you can buy an eight terabyte hard drive for like hundred and thirty dollars or hundred fifty dollars, dirt cheap, and that'll last you. If you're not doing very video very often, that'll last you years. Um, but we also try and rotate out those um, external drives every two years. Like I write the dates on them, and after two years, I trash them. I get new ones just because I don't trust a $150 drive with tens, sometimes hundreds of thousands worth of dollars worth of video on it. So I will rotate that out, and I will buy the uh, protection. Usually if you buy them off Amazon, you can pay like an extra 5 or 10 bucks for a two-year protection. And if that hard drive were to take a crap, I can send that back, and they'll recover it all for me. So it's worth ten bucks. I mean, and worth every dime. Were you? Which are the portable drives we're using? 
Uh, I think we have a couple of Seagates and a couple of Western Digitals. I don't Those know are the, the desktop ones, Yeah, the right? desktop drives, yeah. Uh, the ex- the external travel drives are Lacy's yeah. or Lacy's, the uh, rugged, uh, Lacy rugged drives. Um, I think both of yours are four terabytes, and I think mm-hmm. mine are four terabytes. Yeah. You've got the USB 3 drives. I've got the Thunderbolt drives. Um, are those drives still acting up on you? They still slow sometimes? No. Last I switched out cables, and they really? are better now. Really? The yeah. cables? And I, I think maybe it was, I don't know if it's the cable or if it was just the a real particular shape of the actual connector. Yeah. The new cables feel like they... Uh, have a more secure connection. I bet they got bent. I bet like when they're in there, you moved them or something, they got bent. But I've yeah. got, dude, I've got so many of those cables. Chunk them. Chunk yeah. those old cables and I'll give you some new ones. I got a freaking t- desk drawer full of those things. Yeah, I I got some. I I think I got it figured out. So okay. that's another reason I carried the two, this, this, the two random hard drives last trip was so that in case one of those was being acted up, I had yeah. extras. Yeah, that's smart. Um. And we're still talking, all of this organization that we've been talking about right now is still in the field stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I do every day, and, and sometimes not when I'm on a shoot that I know I'm going to edit, but if I'm on a shoot that I may not edit or somebody else may edit, um, I usually take notes on every day of that's what just, happened while the footage really, is dumping. That's just Christian like of you right there, yeah. though. That's just really nice because most editors or most producers don't do that. They hand a footage over to an editor and they're like, best of luck. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, you, I mean, you have to watch through every bit of it. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas you can take notes on something there. You're on there on a seven-day trip, and you can say on day two, virtually nothing happened. If you need footage from day two to stretch it, then you can look. But other than, day, you know, other than that, day two, you can completely skip over because nothing happened. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of thing. And he, I'll even go as far as in the field. If there's a long clip that I know is junk or is crap, I'll literally put my hand up in front of it and like give it the down, the down thumb <laughs> to the editor that way. Cause I think it's I'm pretty sure the last frame or the last couple of frames is what is your thumbnail in premiere. You can set it in premiere to yeah, default to that, first frame, multiple frames. Or that whatever. way, I'll they'll see that thumbs down hmm. and they'll know. I've done that a bunch before. I've done that to myself before too. I do that for audio clips. Oh. If I'm just recording audio at the beginning of the clip, I'll throw my hand up mm-hmm. and then I'll know that's audio. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if anybody else knows that, but <laughs> I know that. I know that. And I figure at least if an editor sees it, they'll go, hmm, there must be. Something here. Something's something's going something's on. Something's amiss. Um, I when I take notes, I kind of do like I try to write out the what was shot that day. Um, so you know, if we go and sit in a blind, I'll say what blind we sat in or what stand you sat in oh, or dang, you where'd you go, and then uh, kind of what happened, like what came in, yeah. and then if you. Uh, if you did any particular segments or if there's anything that stood out that might be funny or maybe a product segment or a sponsor segment yeah. or something, I'll write that down. So then, you know, if, if they got to go pull, if, you know, somebody says, hey, uh, can we get that? We want that Rambo segment. Mm-hmm. They can just go look and go, oh, he filmed that Rambo segment or he filmed Rambo clips this day, this day, this day, and this day and pull those. It's probably good to put your contact information in there too. Yeah. 
I I haven't done that. Yeah, it'd probably be good. Yep. Um, but I, like I said, I don't always do that if I'm going to edit it, especially on the timelines that we work on. Yeah. I don't forget what happened in two weeks yeah. or a month. So yeah. I don't really take the time to do I'll that I'll forget one. some nuancey things, but I know yeah. overall what happened. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, let's see. For more in the field stuff, we kind of get went over this. I have in bold. Never dump to only one drive. Yeah, we've talked about that. Always dump to two drives. Yeah. Um, I always have footage in two places simultaneously. I don't Mm -hmm. clear my cards until I've dumped to two drives. Same here. Um, Don't do that. Scares me to death. And I think you got to think about it. It's not just footage. Mm -hmm. That, especially with if you're filming animals. I mean, if you're filming a product segment, you can do that stuff over again. If you have animals, you can never do that over again. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're doing this for a living, that is the product that you're providing yep. to people. And so you need to keep that in mind and don't cheap out on money or time when it comes to making sure that your footage is secure. Yeah, That's a surefire way to get burned yeah, and yeah. lose some footage that's important, knock Gosh. on wood. And you can never, I mean, and I, I think... I've lost footage. I think anybody who's done this long enough has lost any kind of footage, and it is gut-wrenching because Mm -hmm. not only did you lose money for the client, you lost a lot of time and energy you put in yourself. Um, And it's – I remember one time, I'll never forget, it was one of the first years we did the Habit, and uh, it was a 5D card. It was a compact flash. I can't remember what we had shot on. I think it was just some B-roll on the boat. It wasn't even – it wasn't even like – like integral to the trip. Now, it had been really nice to have, but it was just like tight shots of the bows, tight shots drawn back, tight shots of the eyes, you know, like logos on the boat, products, this, that, and the other that would have been nice to have for the show. And I remember I was, I mean, we were shooting like two or three cameras, big cameras, and then we had like GoPros and 5Ds. So I was dumping all the footage, and there's just like a mass of cards there, and I, for some reason, thought I'd already dumped it. Well, I cleared that card. And then we get two or three days in and realize that card is not there. Like, where did it go? Luckily, we recovered it. We ran a recovery on it and got it back. But those two or three days thinking that I had jacked up footage was not good for me. Um, But that's how easily it can happen. So Mm -hmm. the best thing to do is when you dump footage is to leave it on the card and then go into the folder that you just got finished dumping, right-click, and get info. This is for Mac users. If you're a PC user, you're on your own. I have no idea how to do this. You right-click on the folder and say get info and it'll tell you exactly how big that folder is. Then mm-hmm. you can go to your card, right click get info and it'll tell you exactly how big the folder is. If those folder sizes match up, you're golden. You can clear the card. If not, something is wrong. Figure out what's wrong, dump it again, dump it in another place, dump it twice, whatever mm-hmm. you gotta do. Um but that's how you check it on a Mac. Right click, get info on both folders and make sure the file sizes match. I think you can select the folder and command I too. You can command I, yeah. Um, so moral of the story, always have it in two places. Yep. Don't mess around. That's my problem. I think I've got some stuff in three and four and five places now. And Good I'm problem used, to have. Yeah. Better problem than zero places or one place. Some, or some things I've got in so many places I can't remember and figure <laughs> out which one is the most current. So that's the bad thing for me is I need to, I gotta have some time just to go through and yeah. find out what I got and what I don't got. The last note I have for in the field stuff is my mobile Lightroom setup, and uh, this probably isn't groundbreaking information, but I have on my on my 
portable drives, I have a mobile Lightroom so that I can <coughs> a mobile Lightroom catalog. Obviously, I have Lightroom on my. Oh, on my oh, really? I didn't know you toted that around. Yeah. Huh. Well, it it's just a it's just another catalog. Oh, it's a different catalog. Yeah. Oh, I thought you w- took your master no. catalog with mm-hmm. you. Oh. Okay. So what I do, and I figured out a trick actually two trips ago that helps with this. So I have my mobile Lightroom catalog in its own folder on my portable drives, and that basically lets me edit on the go. Uh, and I have some presets and stuff that I use for some pictures, so I like to keep that on my hard drive at all times so that I can slap those presets on on uh, the pictures as a base before I start editing, and I don't lose them. Uh, and And basically what I do is when I get back from a trip, uh, you can actually take and select all the pictures, export them as a as a different catalog, and then import that catalog into any other Lightroom catalog. And so the reason I do that is because before I start editing any pictures, I flag any of the pictures that I want to keep and edit. And so basically culling all the crap pictures that I don't like or out of focus are just part of a burst of photos and I already picked the one that I like. Mm-hmm. And so that basically lets me take all of the pictures that I've already selected that I want to edit and all the ones that I've already edited, export those and then import all of those into my main catalog on my hard drive. See, I know And it keeps all of those edits that I already did and all that culling that I already did intact. So I don't have to do any extra work. And that's great. But I glazed over when you said that because <laughs> Dude, I am as quick and dirty in Lightroom as I can possibly be. Yeah, I file import photos and videos. I bring them in. I edit them on whichever computer I'm done with. And as soon as I got the colored ones done, I kill the raws, upload those. Don't care where they're at. Don't ever see them again. Just because they're there, like I've told you, they're there as a they serve a purpose. Yeah. but they're not integral to the trip. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I get my pictures out. I don't take a lot of time picking the best. I go through and I see the pictures that I like. You know, that's usually five or ten percent of the pictures that I took. Mm-hmm. And once I get them edited, I close out Premiere and I kill everything else. Um, I say that I save a lot of raws, but they're not organized where I could find them again. Mm-hmm. I think it's just two different ways of thinking, I guess, and not necessarily the right or wrong way to do it. Um, Pictures are fun and I enjoy doing it, but once I've got my colored images uploaded to Smug Mug, I really don't care what happens to those pictures from now on because they're there and that's that's what the client has access to is what's on right. Smug Mug. All that other stuff is just wasted space. Because I'm, when am I ever going to look at that again? I've had to pull in my career one raw for someone, one time. And it took me a long time to find it, but I found it. And it was for... Uh, that uh, Go Free Spirit Recreation, they needed a raw. They didn't want the colored image. They wanted the raw of one that we took in uh, Idaho. Mm. And I had to find it. And I had a lot. <laughs> it took me a long time to find it. But I found it. But that's the only time I've ever had to pull one. because so I one, could have found it in two minutes. Yeah, I know. Well, shut up. But see, that's <laughs> why. I w- but you made me lose my train of thought with your audacious comment. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember what I was going to say. Go ahead. I think you were just saying you don't ever have to do that. So to you, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, true. It doesn't matter where yeah. they end up. Yeah. Very true. I'm d- I, a lot of what I do is overkill. So a lot of my organizational strategies and stuff a, is way, not is way bad, more organized than I guess you necessarily have to be. It's not a bad thing, though. Um, I just like it that way. It eases my mind. Yeah. Uh, so now 
let's go into you're back from the trip and you are going to first you're going to dump all that footage to your hard drive on your desktop or at least we do i mean if you're if you're working off the same drives uh, maybe you don't necessarily need to do that but since i have the travel drives and i have a desktop hard drive i dump to the travel to the desktop hard drive uh, when i get back from the trip so that is bullet point number one is as soon as you get back from the trip uh, dump your footage to your main hard drive if you've got one uh, and then if you have another main hard drive you should also have a redundant hard drive for that one uh, and so you're going to want to do a backup copy of that and then we are using a service called Backblaze mm-hmm. that is a cloud-based mirroring service. And what it does is... I used that too, by the way. I pulled that Did you? I told you. Golden. I told you. Sorry, go ahead. Um, so what Backblaze does is you install it on your computer. You pay, what is it, $50 a year? 60 60 which is stupid cheap God for what it does. so cheap. Stupid cheap. And it... It has multiple functionalities. The main one is backup. And I'm going to butcher this, but you want your footage in three on three devices in two places, right? Well, the, what sa- is it? the saying is one is none, two is one. So I like having it in three places. Yeah. So basically what we have is the main drive that we work off of has one copy. We have a backup drive that has basically a mirror copy of the first and then we use backblaze as a cloud as a cloud backup service mm-hmm. so you install it on your computer you tell it which hard drives you want it to mirror and then what it does is it takes those hard drives and it mirrors them to wherever they store things but yeah. in the cloud in the for cloud. for you and I it's in the cloud it's really hard to explain the cloud to my parents they can't figure it out <laughs> they can't get it they're like well where is it I'm like it's on somebody's hard drive somewhere yeah. but it's not on mine yeah so it's in the cloud and basically what that does is make sure that our footage is somewhere that's not here yeah um, because things can happen to a physical place yeah. knock on wood uh, things can get stolen or whatever so even though we have it in two separate hard drives here, something can still happen to those physical hard drives. So mm-hmm. we have a cloud. Uh, we have that footage on a hard drive somewhere spread across 55 hard drives wherever yeah. uh, that we have access to. And basically that makes it so that the likelihood that all three of those copies of footage get destroyed, very low. And if yeah. it does, something's yeah. weird yeah. with the world. Yeah. And it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're 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 essentially hedging our bets against a natural disaster wiping out this office, flood a flood, a tornado, uh, somebody's breaking in and stealing all the hard drives. Even though they would have a bunch of hunting footage, they wouldn't know what to do with because if there's I got some edits. So if yeah, exactly, maybe they want to do break those. in and do some edits. Um, you know that's what we're kind of hedging our bets against. Like if something were like that were to happen, then we're backed up the best that we can mm-hmm. be. So. And it's $50 a month. Yeah. Or 60, $50 a year. I'm sorry, 60, $60 a year. $60 a year. Yeah, I'm great at organization. I'm real bad at numbers, guys. <laughs> so don't ever ask me to do calculations. I can't do them. <laughs> um, so it's stupid cheap. Yeah. You should, 
everybody should just go do it. Yeah. I, there's no reason not to. Here's the other thing that's cool about that is because it's cloud-based, you can access it anywhere that you have an internet connection. And I did that. And if you needed footage from something or you needed a picture or you needed a logo and you were in Saskatchewan and you're like, oh, shoot, I don't have that on my mobile hard drive because why would I have that on my mobile hard drive? Yep. You can go into Backblaze, log in, find it on your – it's going to be in the exact same place it is on your hard drive. So this is where the organization comes in. Yep. And download it. Now, if you got crap internet, it might take 45 days. Yep. But how long – where did you download it? At your house? It was just a logo, and it took me five minutes. At your house or here? At my house. Oh, that's a long time for a logo. Well, no, no, no. That's how long it took me to log in, find oh. it, download it, okay. and send it. That was the whole process. Oh, I thought that was just straight download No, time. Well, and I did it on Saturday. Uh, I got an email of somebody needing a logo, and I wasn't here at the office. My laptop was at home. Got on my laptop. And it was the first time I'd ever done it. User interface, super easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's actually really it's responsive. It's literally a mirror. Yeah, it, and, it's, and it's super responsive. Drop downs, just like I use here. Found the logo, downloaded it, put it in an email, and sent it. It was done. Yep, and that is Backblaze. Yep. Uh, so. Like Fireblaze, Backblaze. So know it, get it, use it. Yep. It's endorsed by Redneck Tech Podcast. Yeah, if you're looking for a looking for a podcast, holla at you boys. So now what I want to go into is the folder structure on my hard drive. And you can go into your folder structure on the hard drive. And then we might go into a little bit of Premiere Pro, uh, the Premiere Pro project organization. Mm-hmm. And I preface this a little bit with as I am organizing things like you said before I always want to make sure that I'm not the only one who can find it that it's pretty easy for somebody else to find it yep uh, especially with Caleb and I both working in the office and and um, other people maybe coming in and doing edits sometimes it is good to have a structure that somebody could just pull it up and go okay I kind of see how this works I can go find this yeah it makes sense and then when it comes to the way I organize my Premiere Pro projects, same way. Uh, and I also keep in mind when I'm organizing the footage on the hard drive for Premiere before I import it, I always try to keep in mind that I may or somebody else may need to take that entire project and edit it on a different computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mostly what you just have to keep in mind with that is the way that Premiere works as far as referencing footage. Um, Premiere doesn't take your whole video and put it inside the Premiere program. It basically just references that piece of footage or that video clip wherever it's at and on your hard drive. It points to the hard drive and it yeah. plays it back and forth. So the hard drive, that's when you know like you've pulled footage. I know when I've pulled footage from multiple hard drives when I hear another hard drive spin up. Mm-hmm. And it'll 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 take it a minute, and then I'll hear another hard drive spin up that was essentially it was like in idle mode. Yeah, and then it's it, I'm going through Premiere, and then I it stops for a minute, and then another hard drive will spin back up. Well, that's because it's referencing it off another hard drive. So keep that in mind. I won't go into all of that right this second. And I'm sorry if this is laborious to anybody. This yeah. is a this is a topic that's hard to make fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's a topic that's necessarily. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Not laborious. Uh, a lot of work, a lot of nitpicky work. Um, There's a word. Arduous? Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't the word I'm thinking about. That's a good word, though. That's a yeah, $2 of word. Of course it's a word. Good word. I thought of it. Of course it's a word. <laughs> <laughs> Go. 
But, I mean, this is something that somebody asked us about, so we're going to try and do it justice. It is boring, but um, yeah, this is this is how we – this is how – well, I guess this is how, how Ryder, the sausage is made. This is how the sausage is made, yeah. <laughs> so – This is I, our every day. <laughs> this is this is the – everybody wants to be This is the non-sexy until. part of what we do for sure. Most everything isn't sexy, mostly because I do it, you know. <laughs> There's a subtle jab at myself for everybody who thinks that I have too much ego, which I do. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so you dump in you back up the footage uh i'm trying to make a good segue when i can't so there's not going to be a segue here um my hard drive structure and yep i have this set up so it's easy whenever i want to go dump footage i know about where i'm going to put it and i'm looking at a picture of my hard drive set up now i don't know if we can put that somewhere yeah we can um, we can actually put that as the picture for the description of the video or the podcast if we want to yeah so i'll take a different picture because there's something more specific that people would like to see make sure there's not a final final f me final final <laughs> do it again screwed up final final file naming is important folks yes but also it can be fun yes uh so basically on the root of my hard drive what i have and this is different this is i had to make a change D- different this is different <laughs> hold on say that again you said different. This has differed. Oh, I thought differed. you said different. I'm like, dang, you've been in Georgia too long. No. I was about to say, I was proud of you. I said Mike could the other day. Mike could? Yeah, and Emily said, what? What? <laughs> said Mike could. Like, you could do it. You might You might could. Might do it. And you start throwing in some use and twos and um, <laughs> over yonder and holler, and then we'll really know that you've, you've already taken up sweet tea, so that's good. I like sweet tea before, mostly because I like sugar. Yeah, well, that's true. Me and you both. Sorry, I sidetracked because I thought you said different. <laughs> no. God, that's funny. So this, since I came here, I've had to change how I organize my raw footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, because here we do projects for multiple clients. Before I was doing uh, projects for a, a singular brand. And so before I had all my stuff organized by date, mm-hmm. by year, I would have a raw footage folder on the root of my hard drive. Then I'd have the year. Then I'd have the month. And then I'd have the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I only had one, basically one guy that I was doing that for, that was the easiest way to do it. I could do that for this here, but it didn't make as much sense as organizing things by client. Mm-hmm. So basically what I have is... Um, on the root of my hard drive, and I keep saying that like it's obvious what that is. The mm-hmm. root is just the first when you open up your hard drive. That's the root. the first place yeah. it goes. There, is where, the, root. the place where all the folders live. And, yeah, you know that the base of your hard drive. When you see that hard drive on your desktop and you double click it and you open it up, that's the root. Yep. So on my on the root of my hard drive, I have one, two, three, four, five, six folders. I have a projects folder. I could name it clients folder if I wanted to, yeah. but I have it projects. I have photos in Lightroom. That's where my master catalog lives. I have digital assets, and that is uh, that's a lot of things. Uh, and then I have a project template, which will, I will explain later. And then I have Ryer's Miscellaneous Stuff. <laughs> and I will let you guys guess what is in there. <laughs> I won't. It's nothing like that. Whatever you thought that it was, it's not that. It's just... Random stuff. Sometimes I go and shoot bike races and things like that for my own personal 
enjoyment, and I put it there because it doesn't really fall anywhere else. Yep. So then I guess the meat and potatoes of this hard drive is in the projects or the clients. Uh, oh, I number my folders too. I one projects, two photos, Lightroom, three well, digital assets that? so that they are in the order that I want them to be in. Because if not, it does it by, you can do it by date created or alphabetically. Yeah. Um, that way they always stay like you want them. Yeah. That way projects is always on top. Photos in Lightroom is always yeah. the second. That's a good idea though. I haven't done that. And if I redo mine now, everything will go offline. So I can't do that. <laughs> no premiere. Uh, and then, so basically one projects in there, I have all of the projects that we've done for this year. Uh, some of these are just one-off projects like the RG and G shoot. Mm -hmm. That's all just, that's one project. Other things in here. Um, let's see, I have the roots. So that contains all the stuff that we've done with Brian. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I have stuff for knock on and, and whatever. So, mm -hmm. Basically, I have then a folder for every single client. Yeah. And then, or project, I guess. And then inside those, if it's a one-off project, uh, what I have after that is the folder that contains all of the footage from that project. Yeah. Um, if it's somebody like Brian with the roots, I have a... Folder for each trip. Yeah. Do I? I wish I could open that up right this second. Uh, I thought with Brian... No, yeah, I have a folder for each trip with Brian, and then I have a folder for um, graphics for Brian. Uh, anything that's related to the roots, I have in that folder. So, and then inside, so you have a folder for the roots, and then mm -hmm. you have a folder for each trip, and then also within that roots folder, you have a folder that has graphics, yep. logos, things like that? Probably what it is with... And I should have done it for that one so that I could see I'm working off a screenshot right now. Um, but probably what it is is I have projects, the roots, and then inside that I have another folder labeled projects. And mm -hmm. inside that, then I put all of the projects. Gotcha. And then I probably have another folder digital assets. And then I have logos or openers or name cards or anything digitally that would relate to that the roots yeah. I have in there. Um and then what I have after that is basically the project folder template that I referred to earlier. And what that is, is it is a set, basically a list of folders that I've created and I just leave it. And I, that's what I have labeled as my project template. And what that is, I'll list them off. Uh, I have approvals, audio, documents, graphics, masters, media, projects, video effects. And so when I dump footage for a project, so let's say we come back from Bluestem and I make a Bluestem folder inside of my projects folder. And then I will copy and paste, copy this folder structure and paste it inside that other folder labeled blue stem January 2020. Yeah. And then what that'll have inside of it is approvals, audio, documents, graphics, masters, media, projects, video effects. And then when I go to dump all the footage that we had taken on that trip, I put it in the media folder. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it'll dump whatever. And so 
Sorry, I'm trying to get back to it. It closed out on me. Uh, and then I have a projects folder, and inside the projects folder I have all of the different Premiere Pro applications. Yeah, the, the, the project files. Yep. And uh, inside of there will be where my project lives, my Premiere Pro project lives for that project. Yeah, that trip or that project or that you know one-off, whatever it is. Yep, and then I also set Premiere's autosave location to be in that same location. Oh, so, so you that change that every time? I think so. You yes. go into Premiere and change it every time? Yeah. Yeah, see, the only problem I see with that is I very rarely have to reference autosaves, which I guess if you always save in the same place, then you'd know. Because I have all mine in the same place. I think it's six more we have does than the other. Honestly, I don't think it matters. I keep them there so that when I go to collect and consolidate the project and archive it, I can just delete all of them. I got you. And they're all right there. Um, and so... That's another topic for another day. Yeah. Consolidating projects. Mm-hmm. Something we have done a terrible job of. Caleb's bored. He's yawning. No, like, I don't know what's wrong with <laughs> me. I can't quit yawning. Um, should I go over kind of what kind of stuff I put in each one of those folders? Am I Have I confused anybody yet? Are you confused? Does this make sense? I don't know. Nobody's going to be able to talk back to us, so I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully this... I think I think if we take some good pictures and put them up on the post, yeah. then that maybe it'll make more sense. Yeah, basically, I'll just list off what I put in each of these. Yeah. And keep in mind, this is how my brain works. Yeah. You may have a different way of doing this. So I'm in my... The, the blue stem folder. I'm in the blue stem project now the blue stem project folder and then i have all of my subfolders here so approvals that's where i save all the exports for mm-hmm. the vimeo approvals so every time i export a scene or a rough cut or a final cut or a graphics whatever mm-hmm. changes i put it in there uh, audio i have a folder for music i have a folder for voiceover i have a folder for whatever whenever i download a song it goes in there documents i have put things in there maybe twice ever, mm-hmm. but I haven't, so it's there. Graphics, that's where graphics go. Masters, when I'm done with the project and I am exporting the master copy and then the um, copy that we put up on Vimeo, I mm-hmm. put it in the masters folder. Media, obviously, that's all your footage. Projects, that's where all the projects live, and then video effects. So any effects that I made in... Um, after effects or See, I'm any that templates in or, yeah i think sometimes i do yeah i this is a this is a uh a pre it's not a preset it's it's just a folder template that i made yeah one time and, and just i just copy it. and paste yeah, it you adopted it across the board mm-hmm. and one of the hacks that i have for it is i have a premiere pro project template an actual project, an actual mm-hmm. Premiere Pro project uh, that I have saved in the in the structure in the structure that I copy and paste. Yeah. So there's already a project there. Whenever I copy and paste it, and it'll make sense why I do that in a second because I'm also going to go over that. Aren't you guys excited? <laughs> wow, it feels like a college class. <laughs> this is what college instructors must feel like. Oh, I know. Knowing that everybody has to be there, and they're kind of interested, but. <laughs> Maybe they're not that interested. They're, like they're not waiting, having that much they're fun. They're waiting for one tidbit that made it worth <laughs> all that time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and here's the big reason why 
I have things like this. And it comes back to Premiere Pro referencing everything. Yeah. Premiere Pro wants to reference everything where it is on the hard drive, which is not a big deal if you only use the same hard drive on the same computer and yeah. you never accidentally rename things. Yeah. If Caleb needs to take a project on the road with him or he needs to take it to his computer because he doesn't want to sit in my office because my office is boring and dark and he likes his office because it has nice posters and things. He'll, if I didn't have this structure, it would be a nightmare for you to do that. There's yep. a way to do it, but it would take 45 more minutes yep. for you to do that. Yeah. Uh, if I wanted to take a project on the road because I had a deadline and I was going to do some at the airport or some here or there or wherever, I have all of the stuff that I need for that project in this folder structure. Literally, all you do is grab that master. I just grab the master project. Folder, yeah. Throw it, it on whatever drive I'm going to take. And it's all and, there. And it's all there. Now, when you open it on your new, in, on your, on the new drive that you just transferred it to, Premiere is going to freak out and go, you've broken your entire project. We can't find any of the clips. You've mm -hmm. ruined it. We hate you. Uh, and, and you just relink it. You find point, one. Yeah, you point it to one clip, and it's like, oh, there they are. Yep. And then you're all good again. Relinks it, good to go. Yep. Um, and so that's why I have it like this. And th it's, a, it's a little laborious because you do have to make sure that when you're pulling music, when you're pulling graphics, when you're pulling pictures, when you're pulling time lapses, everything that you're pulling, it needs to end up inside of this folder structure. Yeah. So... Does it take a little bit of extra time than just downloading something, throwing it somewhere, and pulling it into your project? Yes. But uh, it saves time and headache when things, when you need to move it, or when you can't find things, yeah. or when something gets lost, or something gets broken. Or somebody needs to find something. Or somebody needs to find something. Yeah. And that's, that's where it comes in extremely handy. All that extra time makes it worth it. And where I differ is I leave my music all in one folder on one drive, and I, I reference it, which is, I don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea. Um, I put all the graphics. I essentially break mine down into, I guess, three folders, all my media, mm -hmm. graphics, and then music. And then everything lives in those three folders. Yeah. Um, and I just reference them all the time. I don't copy them into anything. They're all just – they're. They just reference it back to one place on the hard drive all the mm -hmm. time, which does make it really hard if you need to copy things over. Essentially, if I ever have to copy things over, I have to consolidate the project and move it. That's yeah. the only way I can do it. And yeah, it takes I'll, more time. It just takes load time. Yep. Premiere will do it for you. It just takes load time. Yeah, they don't. They, I don't think. I think Premiere's anti-consolidating because it takes forever to consolidate a project, and it shouldn't take that much time. I don't think. But I think Premiere's just kind of like, really? So you didn't take the time to organize, so now you want me to do it for you? And they're kind of they're kind of mad about it. Uh, I think also, doesn't it have to make copies of it? Mm -hmm. you, you can tell it to make copies of it. Yeah. yeah. If it makes copies, then I guess that's why it takes long. Yeah. Well, um, it needs to do it because I pay for that program, so it should do it. That's true. Well, Premiere should do a lot of things. Yeah, it should. And they shouldn't do a lot of things that they keep doing, like making updates that suck. <laughs> I hope Premier listens to this. They I won't. Doubt it. Okay, so we're getting in the home stretch here. I'm I'm starting to feel like I'm talking too much. I'm tired of listening to myself, so <laughs> I can't even imagine how you guys feel. I apologize, but this is necessary. You must learn these things if you wish to be an editor. Um, Premier Pro organization. Okay, so like I have said before, Premier Pro references everything. Keep this in mind. Um, 
I have a Premiere Pro project template that I've made that is kind of more or less the same general structure as the folder structure I just talked about. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit more specialized for being inside of and working in Premiere. Um, and it's basically all the bins. It's it's just a collection of empty bins. Yeah, It's a collection of empty bins. And when I was, um, before I came here, I had a, the graphics bin was populated because I used the same graphics for every show. So I had that populated with all the graphics that we used. Um, if I got time, I'd probably do that for the roots. I could probably do that. You could do that for Dudley. We could do that for any of the... I've done that for Chugs. The only one I've done yeah. it for. Um, and so because I have a bin with graphics, populated with graphics, I also, in the folder, in the actual hard drive folder, I have all the, gra all the graphics there. Uh, so basically I have this labeled as a Premiere Pro template. Yeah. And I will open it up. You know, I'll copy and paste the project folder template wherever I want that on my hard drive. And then I go in and I open the Premiere Pro project template that's already in the Premiere Pro project folder inside of that folder Say structure. Say that three times fast. I Premiere cannot. Pro project folder, Premiere, Premiere Pro, Pro project, project folder, yeah. Premiere Pro project folder, Premiere Pro project folder. Yeah, good job. That's all right. Um, I'll open that up. And here's what I have in there. I have bins for footage. I have bins for audio. Inside my audio bin, I have a music and effects and a voiceover bin. I have a graphics bin. I have a layers bin. I don't hardly ever use, but it's there. I have a sequence bin. Sequence, not sequence. Sequence bin, and I have a video effects bin. And those are pretty self-explanatory. Um, yeah, I don't... Do I need to explain anything in there? I don't think so. Uh, so basically when I open up that project, I go and then I will save it. I'll resave the project basically as... File save as. File save as and then name it whatever I want. And put it in your folder structure where it's supposed to go. Yeah, it'll live right exactly. Well, it's already in there. It'll auto, oh, yeah, it'll automatically want to save right where the last project was. Yeah. Um, and then when I import the footage, which is different from ingesting... Uh, and I'm not sure the technical difference. I don't either. But I'm importing basically is Premiere Pro is just building those links. It's just building the reference to the footage wherever it's at in the hard drive. And then creating uh, waveforms, creating and, and the previews um, and what's it called? Um, conforming the audio. Essentially, it's creating waveforms for the audio so you can see that when you're editing, which are super important. Mm -hmm. Um, and then ingest. It's actually copying the file, mm -hmm. and then putting it in a new place. Is it even possible to ingest in Premiere? Yeah. Is it really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, they have a whole ingest dialog. You basically click, you click ingest, and then it gives you the options, like what, where do you want to put the new footage? Do you want to make it a new format? Do you want to, like, change the format or whatever it is? Uh, you can make your own naming. You can rename it to whatever you want it to huh. be. Uh, Never have I done that. I've done it when I've had to pull clips from all over the place. So, like for a reel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I was pull, if I I would make my reel project, and then I'd go in the ingest thing, and I would just start going through all my footage inside of Premiere's media yeah. browser, and then ingest it, and it pulls it in, and it'll pull, and then I'll set all of those clips 
to duplicate into my media folder on in the project in the folder structure um yeah in the folder structure on my actual hard drive I got that makes sense um so when I go to import my footage cuz I don't need to copy it cuz I already have it in that media folder um I import all of it into the footage bin and when I was organizing the footage on the trip, I already organized it by day and by camera. And so I literally just select the, I select all of the days and then I press import and it'll take all of those folders and basically just bring them into Premiere as folders, just almost ident- as bins, but basically with the same structure that I already set up when I was organizing it, when I was dumping it in the field. Hmm. So you always have to import each individual day, each individual camera. Really? Because mm-hmm. it never puts them like I want them to, hmm. ever. Mine usually does. Mm-mm. Never does it do it correctly. So if I import like there. day one that's got three cameras underneath it, it never brings it in like I have it in my folder structure. Hmm. And I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So I always just do it individually. I blame Premiere. Yeah, I blame Premiere. Obama. Uh, I blame Obama. And so... That makes it really easy. A lot of times I'll then start going through and I might combine cameras. You know, if I had a FS7 and the 5D and I was filming on both of them intermittently throughout the morning, I'll just put them both in the same bin. Um, You can do that however you want. Uh, Then when I get ready to edit, I create a sequence. And I have a sequence preset. See, a lot of this, this sounds like a lot of stuff. Yeah. But I've done it one time and I save it so that I don't have to... create these yeah. structures every single time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I have a se- I have a couple sequence presets, but I have some common ones that I use more often than not. And inside of those, I have it set up to have the whole timeline structure with all the audio tracks that we've posted about before. Yeah. So basically, I think there's... And there's ways to even go in and set different compressions and things on audio. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff that Premiere does that we don't even take advantage of just because it's not necessarily overkill, but it's, uh, it, I don't know. I, it'd probably be worth it if we you took the time to, to do it, but then you organize, you know, you're probably the next thing you're going to do is you're going to talk about organization and like different video tracks. Is that what you're going to talk about now? Yeah, basically. Um, so I have that sequence preset that has the, all of my audio tracks, I think there's like 11 audio tracks and f- four, there's a default of four video tracks. Mm-hmm. And then I have it set to whatever frame rate, whatever aspect ratio, uh, whatever resolution that the final video is going to be in. Mm-hmm. And so I just open a new sequence and I obviously, I put that in my sequences bin and then I can start editing from there. Um, like I said, I've got the 11 different audio tracks. There's a post about it on the Instagram about what each of those does. Mm-hmm. So I won't belabor that and go into all of it. But yeah. basically, I have different tracks for different types of audio. That yep. helps me keep everything organized. I have different tracks for different types of video, too. Yep. Uh, and you guys can go look at that if you are so curious. Um, let's see. I think the only thing that I may do a little different from you is... I rough cut each of my scenes in a different sequence and then I'm always duplicating my sequences. Yeah. So I do everything in one. Yeah. 
and that I think that's just a personal preference yep. thing. Uh, I like to do it in the scenes just because I feel like it's. I'm always afraid that I'm going to mess something up from something I did before oh, when I'm rough cutting. I have before. Yeah, I'm always afraid that I'm going to do that. So I just do them in dif- different sequences, and then I always duplicate my sequences at each stage of the edit. Yeah. So I'll rough cut a scene, and then um, I'll rough cut scene two, scene three, scene four, all in different sequences. And then when I go and I want to then fine cut those scenes or say a client comes back and says, ah, I don't really like the song in, scene, in this scene. I don't like this. I want this change. Yeah. I'll duplicate that scene, make those changes, and then I'll start working from there. Yeah. Uh, and then once I get ready to start doing my transitions and the audio and the color and the graphics, that's when I then put all of those scenes together into one sequence, and yeah. then I do the same thing. I will... Create the master sequence. Yep, I create the master sequence, and so then I will duplicate that when I when I get to where I want to fine cut. I'll duplicate that when I get to where I am going to do audio. I'll duplicate that when I want to get to color. Um, and then I'll duplicate that when I get to uh, graphics. And then usually at graphics, I just, that'll be the master sequence. Mm-hmm. And then I'll lock everything off and export from there. Yep. And basically the reason I do that is so uh, if I, at some point I make an edit or something disastrous happens and the sequence blows up and I don't know, I lose the whole sequence or whatever. I can just go back to the former one and have what I did before. Yeah. Or if, you know, if you're really messing around and experimenting and trying different edits, you know, you may have scene one, 1.0 or, and then scene one, 2.0 and it's the same scene, but a different edit. And you're going down this one path of edits and you get to it and you're like, nope, I hate all of those. Yeah. And then you can just start from zero again or start from whatever it was again. Um, and I do it a lot for the audio and the color and stuff just in case I bump something when I'm doing color or whatever and I can't figure out what it is, but it's off. I can just go back to the other one and, and start over. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it that does make it it is overkill in my it opinion, yeah. but um, like mine's a little simpler. I just keep everything in one master sequence, and uh, and see so you lock down video channels and audio channels all the time. Like I never do that, um, and I don't know if it's because I just never have. Uh, I don't know, and I also keep things like really neat as I edit. See, like my process is, I go through. And I rough a rough a scene, and then I'll clean that scene up. Like I'll clean up the audio, mm-hmm. clean up time. I don't I don't do color. I do color at the end, but I'll a rough a scene, clean the scene, move to the next one, rough a scene, clean the scene, rough a scene, clean the scene, until I get all the way through my edit. But when I get all the way through my edit at the very end, my edit is at ninety percent already. My my audio is already at the right levels. Um, my transitions are in there. My graphics are in there. Like I want it when I send it out. The only thing I want it missing is maybe some audio tweaks and uh, color. Like I don't, I can't stand watching through something when the audio is not right. So I edit that as I go. Mm-hmm. So my audio levels are always moving up and down the whole time when people are talking. Like like Chance used to do that. Um, he used to edit where like you could hear talking, but the music was so loud you couldn't understand what they were saying. 
and then that was his rough, and that bothered me. Like, I, I couldn't stand it. So I always, like, would go through, and then I always try and keep – I never try and try and go out of video channel 3, and I never try and go out of video, audio channel 9 or 10. I can't remember. Um, but that's how – that's how mine goes. It's pretty pretty simple, and I always, I'll and when I rough, I'll just go through and I'll drag stuff into a timeline. I'll go through and pick out the best shots, and those will stay in video channel one. The maybes will go in video channel two, and the, the video channel three really doesn't get anything. It gets graphics. Is the only thing I ever put in video channel three, and then we go from there. Yeah. See, so your method is better for, um, especially sending rough cuts. Yeah. Because when I when I cut something and I don't do all the sound and it's a little messy, it can be a lot more difficult to then send that to somebody for approval because uh, it's it's hard for somebody else to watch that and see the sound but not hear the sound. Like somebody's talking but the music is too loud or they can't hear somebody talking or this is too loud or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. It's hard to watch that and really get a feel for the piece as it would be finished. Um, it's a, I can do it because I've been sitting there with the footage. So I know what the person is saying in that exact moment because I've watched that clip 40 times or whatever it is. Yeah. But a client doesn't necessarily, they can't do that. It, yeah. it It's a lot harder for them to do that. So mm-hmm. whenever I have to send a rough, I have to go through and do all those things. So it probably takes me a little bit more time. Yours is probably faster for being able to send a rough cut to people and then finishing is faster for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Finishing is like a three step process for me. Cause I go through and I have to do the sound. Yeah. So, you know, and I then don't. I go through and then I do the color. My, fi- I, I, I do two processes. My rough is one and then my finish is one. So I'll essentially I can wa- and then I'll watch through one more time. Usually, um, I, I, I get my edit to, like I said, 80, 90% by the time I'm to the end of my timeline, it's ready to send to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I might watch it back through and spot check it, but I watched it through so many times in editing, I don't really have to. But uh, and usually any imperfection is going to come back once somebody watches it. Hey, there's one little black frame in here. There's one little this, that, and the other, and yeah. whatever. Something happens in editing, and I'll go back and fix that, color it, and it's done. It's usually that's, you know, that's how I've always done it. Yeah, you're a lot faster than me, so your processes are well. A lot I've faster had to do it mine. a lot more than you. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, that comes with just time and and getting to work on and I think it's going to be better too because now you're not doing the same thing you're doing different things every time and that's mm-hmm. that's what makes you better is when you not things don't look the same and feel the same well I got to go from the roots to Dudley to rent guns and gear to Rambo to you know it's and it's all different so yeah that's that's a good thing I I think that's it's not everything. No, there's a lot of everything. There's no. a lot of little nuancey things. No, and in there's there, a hopefully there's that. a lot of there's a lot in that that what we just said. Now, and what we'll try and do is I'll try and put up kind of an outline and some images to go along with this to make it make a little more sense. Um, and we're working on a way to try and maybe even live stream computer screen and doing this um, to kind of walk through it. But that wasn't really. I guess we could have done that on this. We could have put brought a laptop and hard drive in here. And, Hooked it up and did that, but uh, it's too late now. Too late now. Um, we'll do that next time, but uh, hopefully this one will bring will spark some more questions. Um, that we can maybe dig a little deeper. Well, we into. do have, we I think we do have. See what we have. Questions. Some. How many minutes are we at? Uh, Hundred and well, an hour and twenty minutes. Right so now. not only am I overkill when it comes to your everything. Yeah, we're I'm what we o- call extra. Yeah, I talk a lot. 
I you, I had too much information all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh man, you're good. I think you you guys you guys just have to deal with it. Super you, in depth. You like chose it. to listen to this, not me. Yeah, mine would have been way <laughs> mine would have been way less informative than that one. Let's see. Um, oh, let me go to the actual questions. Okay, so we have one. Oh gosh, darn Instagram freaking. Oh, if you want to hear what half my day sounds like, it's. <laughs> Gosh darn this program, <laughs> and probably in not so friendly language. Okay, <laughs> it did the same thing again. Do I need to pull it up? No, I got it now. All right, so we got a viewer question from. Well, let's just say we're good on that. Yeah. We're gonna wrap that up. Wrap that up. If you guys have questions, DM us. Yeah, uh, I can always give you guys screenshots, or if you're like, "What in the heck does yeah. that mean?" We'll get you. Ask to, us. We'll get to get you some screenshots together, and uh, also. Um, no, oh, we'll do that after the listener question. What is it? So we have Westlake4 says, what upcoming projects are in the pipeline for Copeland Creative? Oh, okay. Well, I messaged him back, so we pretty much answered that on the last one, but we'll answer it again. Uh, upcoming projects is we've got a bunch of product videos that we're doing at ATA Show. The um, Blue Stem project that is uh, we're doing the pre-production tomorrow that we'll, we're planning on doing a live uh, podcast. I'll say live podcast. We're planning on recording us talking about pre-production for that tomorrow. Um, I don't know if we are because that's going to be a really long conversation. We might do some of it. Um, we'll figure that one that one out tomorrow. We were going to do that today, and then Chuck jacked us up because Chuck's a butt. Um, then after that, uh, I don't really know. I know we've got some stuff coming up with Dudley that's going to happen in February. Um, I'm hoping we get to go to some of the TAC events, film some of that. We're going to be doing some filming for Mossberg for turkey season. Uh, hopefully we get to do another Make It Happen episode. Chuck and I, I'm sure, we will be going to Nebraska in the spring. Um, that's all I can think about them at the moment. Um, really, we haven't set our schedule for the uh, spring yet. Uh, we will start doing that right shortly after ATA, though. So that's what we got going on right now. Um, I had something. Oh, the uh, the class. Oh, the class. That was that was how I was going to end it. Um, if you didn't listen to the last podcast, we're going to continue to announce it on this podcast. Uh, the spring, uh, Redneck Tech podcast production class is February twenty first through the twenty third. It's five hundred dollars a person, and we're going to limit it. I think I said eight or ten slots. I can't remember. If you're interested in signing up. Email us at rednecktechpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll get you signed up. We're also going to do one in August. It's August 7th through the 9th, I'm fairly certain, of the dates. Um, I already got one signed up for that. So uh, we just announced it. It just went up this morning, so this podcast won't go out until Monday. Uh, I don't even know what the date is, Monday the 6th. I think it's the 6th. But anyway, um, so... That's the class that we're going to put on. We The class will consist of exactly what everybody that signs up for the class wants it to consist of. We're not going to we're not going to drill down on one specific topic or one specific area. We're going to do exactly what everybody signs up wants us to do. So that's that's how the class is going to be structured. Um, once we have people signed up, we'll post a curriculum and what we're going to talk about. It will be Ryer and I, good Lord willing. It is on Ryer's birthday, so he's being sweet and going to be here Um for the production class on his birthday. Uh, it will be held here in Dahlonega. I'm working on a place for everybody to stay 
um, trying to get a deal in that. But you will be responsible for place to stay and probably most of your meals. We'll probably try and buy pizza or something one or two nights. But uh, Friday of the class will be the 21st. That will be more of a meet and greet and getting to know everybody, hang out, maybe go to dinner, uh, figure out exactly what we want to start with. Saturday will be a full day of everything Redneck Tech. And then Sunday will be pretty much most of that day will be everything um, going over production, editing in the field, shooting, workflow, editing the music, whatever you guys want, that's what we're going to do. So it will be Ryer and I and possibly someone else. We might bring in an Irwin or somebody if they're in town, but uh, we'll see. So is that it? I think that's it. All right, guys. Peace.